You are listening to the 1% Christian. This is the daily Bible study where we get together, we study God's word for 1% of our day, and then we head off to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, studying with you each and every day through the Gospel of John, and we are moving into John chapter 12 today. We're actually already in there. We started uh, a bit yesterday uh, with chapter 12. And uh, we left off with Jesus at the home of Lazarus, Mary, Martha. He's lounging there. They're celebrating the fact that he raised Lazarus from the dead, something that was really shaking that region. If you can imagine someone who had been dead for four days, everybody saw it. Everybody was there part of the morning. And then next thing you know, here comes Jesus. He says, open up that tomb. And here walks out Lazarus. And uh, he is alive and well and sitting with Jesus at the party. Mary, his sister, at Jesus' feet with the fine perfume. That makes Judas upset. And uh, we really start to see the heart of man in terms of being divided. Those that didn't want Jesus to be who he said he was, the religious leaders, those around him who were rejecting him, uh, were plotting ways to kill him. And it even said toward the end of our reading yesterday that they were so frustrated that not only did they want to kill Jesus, but they also wanted to kill Lazarus because many, many people were coming to believe. Just proof positive that when you have your own self-will and you make that higher than what God's will is, what happens is is that you would rather kill a miracle than see your will not be done. And as we know, that leads to destruction because his ways are not our ways. Amen. I'm glad that God's will triumphs over mine because a lot of times I make mistakes. I fall short, uh, but we serve a God that is perfect. Amen. So we're going to get into a uh, very well-known piece of scripture. If any of us who have gone to church for any given point in time have gone to church on Palm Sunday, and this is the, uh, the the scripture or the passage of scripture, at least in the Gospel of John. Of course, it's represented in the other Gospels as well. Uh, and this is where Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Uh, Bethany, which is where he was, uh, was just outside of Jerusalem, not far. And the crowd started to come to him, if you remember, and what we see, it's it was a few days before uh, the Passover. So Jesus heads into Jerusalem for what we know to be his final week in earthly form. And uh, whether or not his disciples knew it at the time, that was exactly what was going on. So from as we read from here forward, we're reading Jesus's final days leading up to the cross. So let's continue, starting with... Uh, Verse 12, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And if you know anything about the palm, the palm was always a symbol of, of royalty. And it had become during that time also, actually since the Maccabees, so for quite some time, a symbol of uh, Jewish nationalism. And Jesus enters into Jerusalem and they start crying out, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And this is a quote from Psalm chapter 18. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it was a reverence then, it's a reverence now. And everybody watching is uh, that is opposed to Jesus is realizing what's going on. It's that this crowd is catching on that he's the Messiah. The challenge that you have here is that the the crowd's view, there were some that knew Jesus for what he for who he was, and knew that if he was the Messiah, which we know he was, he was not the Messiah that was always expected. But there were people there that still expected Jesus to be a conqueror and conqueror in the sense like a King David, like a warrior king that would come in and would free them from the clutches of Rome. And we've said this a few times in the study, but I think it's worth saying again that a lot of times we think our our struggles, our enemies are from external sources, right? They were being oppressed by Rome during that time. But really what Jesus came to do came to help them change their hearts toward God. And so often we encounter external circumstances from our finances, from the people around us. And, and you know, I hear it all the time. The church say the devil's attacking me. The demons are attacking me. Uh, you know, and the bottom line is this. 99.9999999% of the time. It's not an external struggle. It's an internal struggle. Because even if you're being oppressed by those externally, how it impacts you and your reaction to it is absolutely an internal issue. You might be offended by someone. Someone may insult you. But if you knew your identity in Christ, you could avoid the pain of the offense. Will it hurt you? Sure, sure. But you could avoid beating yourself up or being downtrodden or ruining your life. You know, sometimes we allow external circumstances to destroy us. And that ultimately is the difference between being happy and having joy. Happy is about external circumstances, which can change at any point in time, right? You can be, I could, I I could say something to you and, and make you happy, but I could also say something else and make you mad. But joy is within. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and that is something that cannot be blemished by external things. And that's why we say the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's out of Nehemiah. So let's further evaluate what is actually going on here. They're crying out, Hosanna. And Jesus is walking through the streets. Now, during the time of the Passover, people would be bringing their lambs So I want you to get this imagery here. They're walking with their lambs. And Josephus, the historian, did a census one time, and he he estimated 256,000 lambs entering Jerusalem during this time. So Jesus was surrounded by lambs being led to sacrifice. And you think about the symbolism of that, that Jesus, the greatest lamb of all, the perfect lamb, the lamb that would be slain. You go back and you think about the John the Baptist when he saw Jesus and he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So you see the types and the shadows of what's going on here, that the lamb of God is walking through, walking toward the temple at the same time that the Israelites are carrying their lambs in 
to be slaughtered for atonement. And at the same time, the people are realizing that Jesus is there and they want to recognize him as a Messiah and a king. And they take the palm branches and they begin to lay it at his feet as a sign that they do recognize him as king, as savior. And we're reading the gospel of John. I just want to talk quickly about that term gospel. Gospel means good news. And it was, as it was being used throughout the first century, it was incredibly offensive, especially offensive to the Romans. And there's a reason for that. The term gospel is not a Christian word. It was actually used in Rome. If you go back through the various emperors of Rome, when a new one would take the throne, there would be a proclamation of good news that would go throughout. And then the, uh, the emperor would be positioned to the crowd as the one that would come and save Rome, that would save the region, save the land. And that is why when the early Christians, and when this was called the gospel, it was insulting because it was meant for a king. But we know that our Jesus is the king of kings and that he came to not only save the nation, but he came to save the hearts of the people and not just here, but for all of eternity. And he was a different kind of king than they expected. We've said that again and again. And here is a proof of that. It says, verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it as, as it is written. Verse 15, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Again, this is a fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. And if you think about what would typically happen entering into the city at this time, it would almost be like a patriotic parade. It was, it was the holiest time for all of Israel. It was the time where they recalled when they were freed from Egypt and where they took the blood, right? They took the blood and they would put it over their doorpost. And the whole term Passover is because, you know, the, the angel uh, that was going to take the firstborn that struck, that plague, that struck uh, Egypt. When there was blood, the blood sacrifice over the door, it, it preserved the life within that house for the Israelites. If you read that, you see the type and shadow there? Because Jesus was about to shed his blood, what, for the forgiveness of sins? And forgiveness of sins means an eternal life, means that death doesn't have its sting for us. Death is not the final answer for us. So in all ways, Jesus is replacing the sacrifice at the altar that was being brought there. But another thing to note is that anytime a king that was at war would enter a region, he would do so on a stallion, on a war horse. Not in this case. Jesus rode in on a donkey. And if a ruler or a, or a priest or a merchant came into an area riding on a donkey, it meant peace. So Jesus did not come into Jerusalem to be a conqueror, but a messenger of peace. And in Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. 
You may also know the scripture that says, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And if God is for us, who can be successful against us, right? Being more than conquerors, we think we'll be stronger than a conqueror. Like, man, if you thought I could kick your butt as a conqueror, I could keep more than that. But it it's actually means that you're a messenger of peace with the good news, with the gospel of the king of kings. Not just coming to save what's physical, but coming to save everything you can imagine, both seen and unseen. And when these people see him, and when they hear what happened, and when they realize what he did, how he raised Lazarus from the dead, they must have been thinking, hey, if, if this man can summon the dead, he could surely save us from Rome, but it was more than that. And in verse 16, and this is how we'll close out today as we're coming up on our 1%. I just kind of wanted to leave Palm Sunday for Palm Sunday here. Said at first, the disciples did not understand all of this. They saw everything that was going on. It says only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Makes you wonder if the disciples are walking alongside Jesus and seeing the crowd screaming for him, if they were like, wow, we've really, we've arrived. Maybe he is going to sit on the throne. Maybe he is going to destroy Rome. Maybe he is going to rule and reign here on earth. Who knows? We can only speculate what was going on through their mind, but it was bigger than they thought. And a lot of times our future is so much bigger than the crowd that's around us. It's so much bigger than the opinions of everybody around us. The moments that we feel like are our high highs. And we'll see in the, in the next part of this where Jesus is talking about it's time to be glorified. It's time for the Son of Man to be glorified. He's not talking about being glorified because the crowd is cheering for him. He's talking about being glorified because he's going in to be sacrificed. And you realize that the same people that are cheering for him saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which by the way, Hosanna means save us now. Save us now. They were declaring him as king and savior right there. Those very same people, just a week later, would be screaming, crucify him. And this is why we put our faith in God more than we put our faith in those around us, even the, those closest to us. Because humans will fail you, but you have a mission. And that mission is here on earth. And sometimes you're going to walk into places and you're going to be cheered and revered. Other times you're going to be jeered and, and, and made fun of and, and you just got to keep on going. You have to think to yourself, listen, if Jesus could walk through this crowd, whether it's a crowd that's yelling at you or whether it's a crowd that's cheering for you. If Jesus could do it, you can do it too. So whatever it is that you face today, whatever type of crowd you're walking into, whatever situation you're walking into, just know that Jesus had the strength to walk through that crowd and that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit inside of Jesus is inside of you. And it's not like Jesus was fooled by the crowd. It said in an earlier chapter that he knew the heart of men. He knew each and every person and whether they were sincere or not, and a whole lot of them weren't. But he focused 
on what his goal was. He focused on the mission of his life, and that was to glorify the Father, and that was to serve all around him. And as we, and we're going to end this chapter and go into chapter 13, uh, probably two days from now, we'll see an example of that. But I want to close this out because we're past our 1% and just encourage you that whatever you walk into today, that you have strength to get through it, to get to the other side, to get to the next phase in your life, to do something amazing for God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the strength that you give us, Lord God. We thank you that your voice is the only one that matters. So we follow you. Help to guide us throughout the day to just honor you in every way that we can. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church. Check us out at soh.church. We are going to close John chapter 12 tomorrow and continue with our study of the gospel of John. I love you guys and I'll see you then.